fucking. <laughs> Welcome to episode. We're going down. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying in the mic? <laughs> Uh, welcome to episode 10 of Late Night We Read It, hosted by um, uh, Danny DeVito and Danny DeVito Part 2. <laughs> what? Electric Poo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what was the name you... you... What For what? <laughs> you... Uh, you, you... <laughs> God. What you gave me, you gave me a nickname earlier? What was the name? Oh, oh shit! It was in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, and it was something ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tonga, Tonga. Because <laughs> I bought a pair of tongs. Oh, oh, oh man. <laughs> well, uh, how uh, how are you doing, Patrick? It's been a while. We're doing we uh, talked between you and I, and I think I made a Twitter post about it as well. Uh, but we're switching to a bi-weekly for a little bit mm-hmm. just because it's been hard to maintain Yeah, a weekly upload. Um, so it's been a little while. How have uh, how've you been, man? Good. Things are good. Work is the same. Uh, how are you? I'm doing good. Work is also the same. Anything exciting happened in the last week, two weeks? It's been, it'll be two weeks by the time people are listening. So anything exciting happened or anything exciting going to happen in the next few days that you don't know about yet? Um, I don't think so. I'll be watching my parents' cats next oh, week. Oh, you did mention that. Yeah. It'll be fun. I like cats, so I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Uh, went to a birthday celebration for my brother a couple of nights ago. That was a whole ton of fun. We played just a bunch of board games. That's awesome. Uh, Magic the Gathering was also involved. Um, uh, have you ever heard of a game called Werewolf or Mafia? Werewolf sounds familiar. Okay, but it's just like... Um, it's, it's better when you have more people, like eight to ten people. It's okay. a lot of fun. Where everyone gets assigned a role. Um, okay, sure. And then everybody has to close their eyes, and then the different roles reveal themselves to each other. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, the group has to collectively try to figure out who's who, and like someone is murdering the other people. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. It's really, really fun. It's kind of like a Secret Hitler, but in like... A I've never heard of that one, but really? if it sounded similar, there's similar. like a whole yeah, bunch Secret, of variations of that Secret that Hitler game. Hitler is like... There's one person who Who's secretly is like, Hitler, who's secretly <laughs> Hitler, uh, and they're trying to get the red team to win. And so everybody has to go on missions, and the red team wants to make the blue team think that they're like on board with the missions. Yeah, okay. Sneak like, oh, we're gonna fail, and then people on the blue team get to decide who to kill. But like nobody knows who's on the red team, so everybody acts like they're on the blue team. So you have to. It's this, like, yeah, it sounds sounds very game, yeah. similar. What was that game we played <clears throat> um, at your old place? Uh, I remember it was New Year's Eve two years ago. So it was going into 2020, the okay. New Year's Eve party we had. Yeah. Um, it was like a card game that was similar to what we've p- described. It was like, oh, there's like, it was mission, like spaceship there's like space, and like yeah. someone's infected and like um, you have to oh, like reveal. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's one of That game was favorite, yeah. so much fun. Uh, those are those are a good time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, dude, let's make a trip to Target. I want to look at their board games. Yeah, Plus, sure. I got to pick up... Um, I mean, my brother's birthday is not until December, but I saw that the birthday gift I want to get him is also sold at Target, so okay. I'm just going to get it from there. There's a place um, that would be so much fun to go. Um, it's close by. It's probably yeah. like a 30-minute drive, and I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's a board game store. It's got like Ooh. a... Yeah. 
it is it's awesome. I went there a couple times with my brother. Really, really fun uh, place. Yeah, to go. let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. Mm-hmm. for sure. Um, maybe when you're back from cat sitting, sure for folks, because I know this weekend is pretty busy for me. But uh, um, while we're in sort of a giggly mood, yes. Do you want to do a quick spooky Mad Libs? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, there's like 15 little word slots we have to fill. Give me a noun. Okay. Uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a noun. Uh, Star Wars. Okay. Uh, give me an adjective. Copiously. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, copiously is that an adjective I think so copious large amounts alright I'll do a different one no sorry Rushingly. My, my, my computer's fighting me <laughs> oh here we go okay rushing nope doing copiously okay copiously <laughs> oh fuck me <laughs> I keep hitting the wrong button there we go alright a past tense verb hadn't is that a verb I think so. Had not. Had. I guess had. Well, had. Sure. Uh, Adjective. Roughly. (laughs) Uh, Ing verb. (laughs) Sexting. Okay. I'm gonna throw a couple, a couple in here as well. Okay. Uh, Adjective. Vomiting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna put it. Vomitedly. <laughs> I was still thinking of uh, verbs ending in ing. Uh, give me a noun. Yellow books. <laughs> <laughs> uh, adjectives. Uh, adjectives. Or just one. Heavy. <laughs> okay. A uh, plural noun. <laughs> I don't know. What? Cities. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> uh, verb. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> um, give me a noun. <laughs> Dude, you gotta chill out with the na- Coldplay. Coldplay. <laughs> the band Coldplay. <laughs> uh, ing verb. <laughs> <laughs> what? Dude. <laughs> Rushing. I don't know. <laughs> um uh give me a noun <laughs> dude i swear there's to six f- more nouns <laughs> are you serious <laughs> ipad okay um a plural noun uh assholes <laughs> okay a verb fuck S- <laughs> uh a noun David. (laughs) Uh, A noun. 
sauna. I'm going to put the next noun as David again. Okay. Another noun. Carlos. Carlos. Barlos. <laughs> uh, adjective. Um, Falling. No, that's his verb. Fucked. <laughs> Type of profession. Coward. <laughs> Ooh. And finally, a noun. Courage. Uh, courage. The cowardly dog. Okay. All right, you ready for this? No. All right, this is... Oh, it, I must have missed where I was supposed to type in stuff for the name. So this is called The Noun of Adjective Hollow Mad Take. <laughs> okay. If I can but reach that Star Wars thought Inchabod, I am copiously... Just then, he hadn't. The roughly steed, <laughs> panting and sexting close behind him, he even fancied that he felt his hot cock. <laughs> Another vomitedly kick in the pirate, and old gunpowder sprang upon the yellow books. He thundered over the heavy cities. He gained the opposite pooch, and now Inchabod cast a look behind to see if his pursuer should know. According to the rule... In a flash of hair and cold play the band, just then he saw the goblin rushing in his assholes, and the very act of hurling his iPad at him, Inchabod endeavored to fuck the horrible David. <laughs> but too late. It encountered his sauna with a tremendous David. He was, tre- he was tumbled headlong into the Carlos and gunpowder, the fucked steed, and the goblin coward passed by like a courage the dog. That made no sense at all. Yeah. There was, there was too much. There were too many words like that we had to make up. Yeah. Where that was just gibberish. But that was fun. Right on. Um, Stories? Yeah. Sweet. Let's do it. Cool. Uh, well, I haven't read a story in a while now, so this is... I'm worried I'm going to... I'm also... Yeah. Because <clears throat> this is kind of kind of long, but not too long. It's a little bit longer than I, I thought. But all I have... Saved or long ones. This is the okay. shortest of the of the crew. Um, so. I believe it's my turn to go first. Evens, is evens. You? I think so. Oh yeah, that is right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so mine is also long. I think mine's pretty damn long. But with with what? What time did we start recording? We never checked that. Like five after ten. Okay, sweet. Um. So this is called. First of all, this is from uh just r slash no sleep. Okay. Um, it's posted by U slash Delta one two nine, and it's called "I Know Why We Never Returned to the Moon." It's also they have in parentheses here a narration by the Dark Somnium, um, and that's a YouTube channel where the the first time I heard the story was on his channel. So the Dark Somnium, he just does, um, just like audio recordings of scary stories. He's really cool. Nice. All right, so without further ado, I know why we never returned to the moon. My grandfather was a combat pilot. Even though he always felt distant, I liked him. When I grew older, I realized that he was always aware, always looking for any signs of danger. Shell shock, PTSD, it has many names. My mother told me that he didn't used to be like that, that he changed when he came back from Vietnam. My grandpa's profession was like the, the reason why I was obsessed with space, astronauts, planes, and pilots. We used to talk about it when we were together. He was a really skilled and high-ranking officer in the Army, 
and he knew some people, even a couple of really well-known astronauts. When I once asked him if he met anyone who went to the moon, he simply replied, Don't ever talk to me about the moon, boy. It's a dark and evil place. He died back in 2004 from natural causes. About two months ago, we decided to renovate my grandparents' old house. While clearing out the attic, I found an old metallic box. In the box, there was a number of things which I um, assumed belonged to my grandfather. There was a military medal, a stack of papers, an old picture of my grandfather, and two other men I didn't recognize. My grandpa looked around 40, so I assumed that picture was taken around the 70s. All of them were wearing spacesuits, and the scene was a typical uh, backdrop used by NASA. But the logo was missing, only a blank, monochrome background. The, miss the mission patch was titled Dawnbreaker. I didn't understand anything. My grandfather was an astronaut? Why did he never tell anyone about this? Dawnbreaker? I never heard much about, the, about any such mission. It must have been covered up really well, but why? I found the answers in the papers at the bottom of the box. I'll rewrite the literal contents below, but I warn you that many people might find it very disturbing. My dear family, if you ever find this, I must confess something. In 1972, I wasn't in Vietnam. I wasn't supposed to tell anyone, but if you found this, it probably doesn't matter anymore. Back in 1965, me and a handful of other pilots were selected from a non-public team of astronauts who would participate in a covert mission in space for our government. We wouldn't get the glory and fame of regular astronauts, but our country needed us, so we were there. In early 1972, we were told that for an unspecified period of time, our country had a secret satellite orbiting the moon. They never told us what it did or why it was there just that a few weeks prior, it had crashed to the surface of the dark side of the moon for unknown reasons and that the data in it uh, carried was crucial. The government needed to recover it and thus was sending me and two other astronauts to reclaim the satellite's memory module. The equipment uh, of the planned Apollo 18 mission was essentially transferred to us. From that, we've been told, the Apollo team was furious. They had a reason to be, after all. It seemed that whoever we've been under was much more powerful than NASA. The whole mission was top secret, obviously. I was officially deployed to Vietnam, while in reality we underwent extensive training for the mission. After a couple months, we found ourselves standing on a launch pad in front of this behemoth of a rocket that would take us to the moon. I was the mission commander, while Lieutenant Carver was the Lunar Excursion Module, or LEM, pilot, and Lieutenant Ackerman was the Command Service Module, CSM, pilot. The flight to the moon took roughly three days. After arriving, we made a couple of orbits around it. Each time we flew by the horizon creating, created by the moon itself, I felt a bit of helplessness when our communication to the whole world went dark, as the signal got obscured by the spherical mass of rock and dust below us. The dark side of the moon was nothing like the light side, which we see uh, on almost a daily basis. Instead of smooth gray fields, and tranquil lunar seas, it was completely covered in dark, deep craters and holes, like as if it were being slowly eaten away by the universe itself. It was, it was finally decided to begin the descent to the surface. Me and Carver exchanged wishful wishes of good luck with Ackerman, and in the lunar module named Charon, we separated from the CSM named Trinity. After we announced, Charon has touched down. Our response wasn't cheers and applause, but just, Mir, this is Trinity. Congratulations, Sharon. I'll relay the, relay the news to the other side. 
Be safe out there, pals. Just like that, we became cut off from the rest of the world. Ackerman was our only link. While he was above the light side, he could communicate with ground command. And while above the dark side, he could communicate with us. Never both at once. Even though the CSM's orbital period was roughly two hours, we would be in touch with him for only about 30 minutes each orbit. We landed on a flat plane inside a huge crater. Contrary to what some people believe, the sun shines at the dark side of the moon the same as the light side. The amount of light depends on the lunar phase. It was still shining daylight in the place where we landed, but we knew that it would go dark in a few days. I felt excited and curious about what awaits us in this alien world. We waited for about an hour and a half to get to the commands to get the commands reply from Ackerman and spent the time by preparing our suits. Command sends their congratulations. You're to proceed with the recovery. Everything was dead silent as I stepped onto the surface of the moon. I tried to think of something excessively inspiring to say, but that those times were already over. With Carver, we assembled the rover, and after planting our flag next to our spacecraft, we drove off. As we drove across the surface, I saw what I thought was a flash, like a glare reflected by something metallic in the far distance. Since it was fairly common to see flashes of light because of an interesting physical phenomenon caused by the space radiation interacting with their eyes, I didn't give it much thought and soon forgot about it. After driving for a couple hours, we reached the satellite, or what was left of it. We immediately noticed that something wasn't right. There were dozens of footprints around the probe, leading to a set of two tracks, dragging out into the distance. What the hell is this? asked Carver in disbelief. I don't know, but it seems that somebody got to, got what we came here before us, I replied. Both the tracks and the footprints were different than ours. Whoever took the data wasn't here under the American flag. As I expected, we didn't find the data box. We found the part where it was supposed to be, but it was missing. Luckily for us, we were just in contact with Ackerman, so we reached out to him to describe our findings. That doesn't make any sense. Who would take it? Russians? They don't even have a lunar program. Even if somebody took it, how could we not be aware of that? How could the Russians land on the moon without us noticing? He responded. As far as we know, the Russians have no idea that we're here, you know, said Carver over the radio. We're going to follow the trail. I cut off their conversation. Are you guys sure about this? Asked Ackerman. Hell, I'm not sure about this. We're clearly missing something here, but I'll do as you say, Cap responded Carver. Yes, if whatever was on the probe was so important for two countries to send people here to retrieve it, we have to find out what happened to it, I replied. Copy that, Sharon. I'll relay your whereabouts to the command as soon as I can. Be careful out there. Our oxygen was at about half capacity now, but we moved on with the hopes of solving this mystery. It wasn't long until I saw something in the distance. As we got closer, I realized that it was a spacecraft. Its design was different than ours, and it was decorated with the flag of the Soviet Union. I couldn't explain why, but I felt that something was really odd about the spacecraft. If there were Russians with us on the moon, they would have picked up our comms long ago, so there wasn't a point in hiding. To the unidentified Soviet lander, this is the crew of Dawnbreaker. Please respond. We know you're here. We have you in sight. Nothing. We attempted to contact them several times again in both Russian and English, but always received only silence in response. We got closer and realized why the spacecraft looked odd before. It looked like it had been there for a while. 
We didn't see much of the interior through the small windows, which had been covered with something from the inside. Our air is running low, and I don't like this, Miller. We should really head back now, said Carver, with clear uneasiness in his voice. I know, but we have to find out what's going on here. <clears throat> it took some time until we figured out a way to open the airlock. No one was home. The inside was a mess. The interior was splattered with brownish-red fluid, presumably contents of one of the many open food packages lying on the floor. Or was it? No, I, I quickly pushed that thought out of my head. It was a two-seater craft. There was a small amount of leftover supplies and samples, but no sign of the satellite's black box. There was a spacesuit hung on the wall near the airlock, two occupants, and one spacesuit which, uh, with a clearly missing name tag. We both quickly realized that the other one must still be out there somewhere, along with its occupant. At this point, we were really low in oxygen, so we rushed to get to our spacecraft. As we reached Sharon, with the last bits of oxygen in our suits, I realized something. Tell me, Carver, was it just me, or did we not pass the wreckage on our way back? I asked. Fuck, don't even mention it. It wasn't there, that's right. We shared our intriguing discovery with Ackerman later, and he was surprised as was command when he informed us when he when he informed them in turn. That night I took first watch for the first four hours. It wasn't really a night since the sun was still shining, but for the sake of timekeeping, we refer to the time we slept as night. When it was finally my turn to sleep, I had a dream about following the flash that I saw the previous day. I walked on and on until I found the same spacesuit from the Russian craft just lying there in the dust. The limbs were twisted and contorted in gruesome ways, but it was clear that someone or something was inside the suit. I approached and slowly began opening the sunshield that obscured the inside of the helmet. I looked in terror as I saw the inside. It was my face, covered with brownish-red blood. In place of eyes, there were only two gaping holes. I woke up. The next day, we started picking up something on an unused channel of our radio. It was a faint signal coming from somewhere in the crater. We tried to patch it to the speakers, but it didn't make any sense. It was just a repeating sound resembling a person vocalizing the sound of a single letter or vowel that stretched out about three seconds, followed by an equally long pause. It was very distorted, and it clearly wasn't a loop, since each sound was just slightly different from the previous one. We ate and once again prepared for the moonwalk. It was darker than the other day. The sun was still shining, but it was steadily creeping its way under the horizon. We followed the source of the signal for about an hour when we found something lying in the dust in front of us. I tensed as I looked closer and found out what it was. It was a spacesuit, the same as the one in the Russian lander. Well, looks like we found what uh, our missing friend, said Carver with disbelief. I didn't say anything. I simply jumped off the rover and slowly, silently approached the suit. What are you doing, Miller? continued Carver. Just as I, as I was about to open the sunshield with my shaking hands, the suit came alive and grabbed my hand. With the sound traveling through our suits, I heard a weak pomogite, meaning help in Russian. We carried him to our lander. The patch on his suit revealed his identity as Tarkov. He was in shock and hypoxic. I don't know how long or why he was just lying there, but it was lucky to be alive. For the next couple of hours, he fell in and out of consciousness. He eventually woke up. Our Russian was in, our Russian was bad, but luckily he spoke English enough for us to understand each other. 
He didn't remember why he was there, what had happened to him and his crew, or what the mission was. When I looked out of the, ro of the window, I realized that our flag was gone. There were no, foot no footprints. It looked like it had simply vanished. At this point, each one of us was really concerned, and we asked to terminate the mission. The command refused, explaining that the recovery of the satellite's data was paramount importance. We decided to con continue our search tomorrow and went to sleep. I again had the same nightmare as the day before. I woke up terrified and drenched in sweat. I saw Tarkov standing by the window and looking out. He then walked over to Carver and just stood there, looking at him while he slept for about a minute or two. Silently, I asked him, Tarkov, what are you doing? But he mumbled something like them or when and lied down. I didn't sleep for the rest of the night and I kept an eye on him. But nothing interesting happened. The next day, we found a picture or a map of the crater. We were we were at in the pockets of the next day, we found a picture or a map of the crater we were in uh, in a pocket in Tarkov's suit. There was a point a few miles from where we were that was marked with a cross. Tarkov didn't know what was there, but I soon realized that it was the right direction where I saw the flash the first day. We had to check it out. Me and Carver later took off and headed towards the mysterious target while Tarkov stayed in the chair. In reality, our rover had only enough battery to carry all three of us, but I insisted that it didn't and that he should stay behind. I don't trust the guy, I said to Carver, after our sure Tarkov was out of range of our short-range radio. We land on the moon. We don't find the box, and suddenly the probe is gone. Then we find a supposed-to-be-dead Russian who doesn't remember when was the last time he took a shit, and now we're heading towards an inconspicuous place that was marked in his map he knows nothing about. You bet I don't trust him. Hell, I don't trust a single step I take in that direction. What are we going to do with him? He asked later. I don't know yet, but we can't take him with us. Neither the LEM or CSM is built for an extra passenger. You know that, I responded. And I'm afraid he knows that too, replied Carver. The sun was setting. After driving for a while, we reached something that puzzles me to this day. Right there in front of us was something I can only describe as a three-sided pyramid. It was about ten feet tall, and its surface was completely smooth and black as night. What in the world is this? asked Carver with a shiver in his voice. We walked around and took pictures. What the fuck? I suddenly heard through my radio. I turned around and saw Carver frozen in place, staring at something. There, in the remaining faint light, was a spacesuit about 20 feet from us. I recognized the missing name patch and realized that it was the suit from the Russian spacecraft. It was standing upright, on its feet. The sun shield was open to reveal a sight that terrifies me to this day. It was empty. The suit was empty, and it was standing upright. I came back to my senses after I heard a crackling noise coming from my radio. You don't belong here. It spoke in a low, deep voice. Then, out of nowhere, I was blinded by an intense flash of light. When I recovered, the thing was gone. Carver! Are you all right? I asked. He was silent first, then replied, Man, fuck NASA. Fuck the Army. Fuck the satellite. Fuck this whole mission. I want to get out of here now. Without any database, we ran to the rover and drove back to the Sharon. Then we came, when we came back, the sun had already fallen below the horizon and was almost completely pitch black. 
The airlock was open, and Tarkov was standing in front of the module in a suit. Damn it. In the rush, we completely forgot about him. I approached him and started. Listen, Tarkov, there's something you... I stopped when I noticed he was holding something behind his back, but it was too late. He swung and struck me with a sharpened rod. I hit my head on the inside of my helmet and dazed fell to the ground. When the ringing in my ear stopped, I saw him and Carver fighting in the dust. I stood up and threw myself in, into Tarkov, propelling us both a dozen feet. Before I was able to stand up again, he was already on top of me. We struggled, and just as he got a grip on the lever that was used to release my helmet, I struck his head with a sharp rock. His visor cracked, and while his air was slowly escaping his suit, I picked myself up and grabbed the rod. It was already stained with blood. He lunged at me, but I stabbed him in the chest. He then fell on top of me, and where our helmets touched, he spoke as the last of his air was pulled out of his lungs. He is not your friend. Follow the voice. I picked myself up and walked over to Carver. I saw that his suit was punctured on the thigh, and brownish-red blood was being sucked out into the airless vacuum all around us. When I brought him inside the Sharon, I realized that our first aid kit was gone. He was bleeding a lot, and I managed to slow it down, but I had to treat him properly. I was afraid that if we took off, he would bleed out in zero gravity even faster. There was a med kit in the Russian thing, wasn't there? He said. Yeah, I replied. Miller, you, you have to go get it. Fuck, it, it's not that far from here, is it? Said Carver. No, it's not. Are you sure you can hold on until I get back? Yeah, just, just go. So, I went. Don't die on me, Carver. That's an order, I said before leaving. As I said, it didn't take long until I reached the Russian lander, but it felt like ages. Throughout the whole journey, I was waiting for something to jump out of the darkness around me. I wasn't surprised when I saw that the suit that was previously hanged on the wall was now missing, but still, I felt a shiver run down my spine. I took their med kit and headed back as soon as I could, but I couldn't stop thinking about Tarkov's last words. He is not your friend. Follow the voice. I kept repeating inside of my head. I then switched the channel on my radio to the one that we heard the incomprehensible noise on. It was still on. I realized that it was stronger in one particular direction. Follow the voice, I said to myself. Was this the voice Tarkov meant? Who is not my friend? Tarkov? Carver? The mission commander back on Earth? I had to find out. I drove off in the direction of the signal. After driving for at least 15 minutes, I reached the small crater about 30 feet in diameter. With my headlight on, I immediately saw that something was inside, but I couldn't recognize it yet. I stepped over the edge and walked into the crater and switched my light to full intensity. I stood there, paralyzed with raw terror for what felt like hours. There was a rectangular block of the same material as a pyramid in the center of the crater. A body was lying next to it. His limbs were contorted in the most twisted and gruesome way possible. His eyes were missing, and in their place were only two gaping holes. It was Carver. There was a small box inside of his mouth. It was the black box from the satellite. I took the box and ran out of there as fast as I could. Carver was dead. If Carver was dead, who was the Carver I left in the Sharon? He's not your friend, was the only thing I had in my mind the rest of the way back. When I returned, Tarkov's body was gone, but Carver was still there, lying, bleeding. But it wasn't Carver. What was that thing? Thank God you're back, Miller, said Carver. Not Carver. Carver was dead. Mutilated. Dead. Miller, are you all right? Continued not Carver. 
Yeah, I've got the med kit, I replied. He couldn't know that I know. It couldn't know. I treated his, its, wound, and the bleeding finally stopped. I strapped him in, and then strapped myself in. I didn't tell him, it, that I found the black box. I didn't tell it that I found him. With the engine roaring below us, the chair and split in half, and the crew compartment pushed us up into the void while the legs stayed planted to the lunar dust eternally. Now, I already wrote on several occasions that I left minutes, that I had felt minutes pass as if they were hours. The ascent and rendezvous to took only a bit more than a dozen of minutes, but those minutes felt like decades. I wanted to scream so loud that my lungs would break and I wanted to vomit, but I couldn't because it would find out. I wanted to black out, but I couldn't. I had to save Ackerman. After several lifetimes, we finally docked with Ackerman and the Trinity. Throughout the whole ordeal, we kept him updated, but meeting him was different. He was scared, but I was scared even more. He didn't know that Carver was not Carver. I did know. I did unstrap first and pushed Ackerman out of the docking tunnel. I did kick Carver, not Carver, right in the face when he followed. I did close the I did close the docking tunnel behind me. What the hell are you doing, Miller? What's wrong with you? shouted Ackerman and slammed me into the wall of the command module. Don't open it, Mike. It's not Carver. That thing in the LEM is not Carver. Do you understand? I shouted back in pain. Even though he was a battle-hardened soldier, Ackerman finally broke into tears. As I floated past him over to the controls, and before I unlocked the Sharon, I glanced into the docking tunnel window one last time. There it was, a thing with Carver's face and body, but not Carver, staring at us, but his eyes were completely smooth and black as night itself. He opened his mouth in a way that was simply not possible for a human, and let out a loud, disturbing screech that I wish I could forget so much. In a heartbeat, it turned to dead silence as the Sharon detached from the CSM and drifted into the void. Me and Ackerman didn't say a single word throughout the three-day journey back to Earth. We were placed in a quarantine for months after we came back home. Nobody ever explained to us what happened on that mission. I never learned what was on that black box. Honestly, I didn't want to know. After all I experienced, whatever there was, but whatever was there was apparently enough to cancel all other missions to the moon and beyond. They eventually released us and made it very clear that we're never supposed to talk about it. I never saw Ackerman from that day on. The only time I talked to him was a pair of, the only time I talked about him was when a pair of men in suits came to my home one day a couple of years later. Captain Miller, have you been in touch with Lieutenant Ackerman lately? One of them asked after we exchanged our greetings. No, I never spoke or heard from him since the mission. Did something happen? I replied. I'm sorry to tell you, but Lieutenant Ackerman was found dead in a nearby forest yesterday. I had to sit down. I didn't know him that well, but we spent a considerable amount of time together in training, and we lived through hell itself together, so it was more than enough for me to consider him a friend. Poor Mike. How did he die? I asked. We don't know yet, but he had multiple fractures on all his limbs, and his eyes were gouged out. That's really good. That's really good. Wasn't that a good story? That's really good. Oh my god. What the hell? That I feel like that'd be a really interesting movie. Yeah. I want to see that. Dang, dude. That's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um I do have a confession to make. What's up? 
Uh, I'm changing the story that I'm going to read today okay. uh, from the detective one because I glanced through it a little bit while you're reading, and I think it's going to be pretty bad. Okay. Uh, it also is way longer than I expected, so okay, I gotcha. had another saved one that's shorter from a while ago, so I'll just use this one instead. Cool. Um, but yeah, dude, holy shit, that was a really good story. What was that yeah. one called? Uh, I Know Why We Never Returned to the Moon. Okay. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, it gives me, it gives me chills. Yeah, about that. There's. A, have you seen the movie Moon with Sam Rockwell? Yes. I where he's the clone. Yeah. I Spoilers love, for yeah. Moon. I love that. It's been out for so long. That's like one of my all time favorite movies, dude. Um, I, I saw it probably three years ago. Um, and I remember not. I, like it was a good movie, and it really made me think. You know, but I remember not really liking it that much. I think this is the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would definitely like to watch it again. No, I, 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 part of, I mean, I already have a bias towards anything space related because I, I love that shit. Yeah. Um, but I just that movie for that same reason. The, it was like one of the first movies I saw that really made me think because of the way it approaches with like the conversation about co- clones and humanity, um, and what deems something as human or not. Yeah. Uh, and and so. That being one of like the earlier experiences I had with that kind of discussion internally was like that movie hit so different. I absolutely loved it. I also think Sam Rock Sam Sam Rockwell did an amazing job. Um, like especially playing himself twice, you mm. know, is is really really cool. If you see like um, behind the scenes, it's kind of cool. You can see people in like morph suits <laughs> acting with him, and then he's doing like back and forth so that they can like animate his face, and uh, it was really cool. It was really really cool. Um, uh, were you able to find another story? Yeah, okay. I was. Ready? Yeah. Okay. This one uh, was posted under r slash no sleep uh, by user uh, lowcidusx. <laughs> L-O-C-I-D-U-S-X. I don't know, whatever that is. Um, how are you supposed to pronounce it? But this one's titled... I got a job as a night guard for a flower shop, and I was given a set of strange rules to follow. Mm. My parents had both died in a car crash, and I was at my lowest in in a small town in West Virginia. I was 17, almost 18, living with my grandma and struggling to find some good work. While walking down the street to get a newspaper to check for job offers, I walked past a small flower shop named Rosemary's Roses that had a piece of paper with handwritten cursive writing that stated, Night guard needed for my flower shop. Thieves keep stealing rare flowers. Requirements? At least 18 and tall muscular figure? Ask inside. $125 per night. I looked at that number over and over and thought, $125? Count me in. And I went inside. There was a frail-looking old lady at the counter, who I'm guessing was Rosemary, and she was reading a botany magazine. She greeted me with, Hello, darling. Would you like to make a purchase or just browse? And I instantly responded with, Oh, um, I wanted to apply as a night guard. She looked at my form, and her face lit up as she said, Well, all right. No time for interviews. There's not really too much to this job. Your shift starts today. Take this key and come at 12 p.m. Your shift ends at 7.30. I was surprised at how desperate she was. Maybe it was my form. I'm 6'3 and halfway to being shredded. Or the problem was as bad as she was making it seem. 
I don't know which of the two it was. As the clock hit 11.30 p.m., I arrived and unlocked the door to the shop. The lights were out, and I could barely see, so I stumbled over to the light switch and turned it on. On the small table where Rosemary would sit, next to a giant Venus flytrap, was another piece of paper with the same cursive on it. There stood, Hello, night guard. Welcome to the job. You may sit in my chair and browse through my gardening magazines or use your mobile device, if you have one, during your free time. There are several rules to this job, so please read them thoroughly. If you are confused by the plant type mentioned, refer to the signs next to them. Rule 1. Conduct a patrol every hour. Make sure everything is in its place and there is no one snooping around. Rule 2. If you're walking in the back next to the rare flower section and the climbing rose starts growing rapidly and is squirming, grab a pair of the provided wire cutters and cut off at least five inches of it before sealing the cut part with, a, with plant glue. Do this quickly or it might wrap itself around you. Rule 3. If the giant Venus flytrap on your desk starts screaming while you are in the time between your patrols, hide under the desk you will see a figure resembling a man covered in leaves walking around. Grab the provided hydrochloric acid spray bottle and spray it five to six times. It will scream and try to hit you, but it will die before it can. Rule 4 At around 1.30, if you notice an abundance of morphed-looking bees around while on your patrol or at the desk, grab the beekeeper suit in the drawer of the desk at the and the same hydrochloric acid, and locate the hive. It will usually be dark brown and be in the back room of the shop, near the hibiscus. Spray it three times and get out of there fast. Rule 5. If a customer enters, then respond to its requests. It will ask for either a Blythus comparatus, red pine, or black vine. None of these exist. If it asks for the Blythus comparatus, tell it that it's sold out. If it asks for the red pine, oblige and grab a red rose from the back and give it to it. If it asks for a black vine, look in the drawer and find the, the small pistol which is in there. Threaten him to leave, and if, it, and if it doesn't, use the pistol to neutralize it. Remember to make sure it starts evaporating before returning to your duties. Rule 6. If on your patrol you start hearing the flowers talking to you, locate the exact flower and pull it out with the root and dispose of it in a waste bin. Rule 7. There might be flower pots or flowers moving around during your patrol, so make sure to put them back or replant them. And Rule 8. If an actual thief enters, make him get on the floor or with the pistol Make him get on the floor with the pistol and call the police with the landline if you don't have a cell phone. If he threatens you or doesn't listen, do, do whatever you think is right. I laughed and thought the lady had a problem or something, and then I went out on the requested patrol. I was walking near the area with the rare flower section, and I saw a movement in, some of the, in the corner of my eye. The climbing rose. It was moving. I was fascinated and looked at it for a good while before it started coming towards me. I continued marveling at it 
and when it latched onto my arm and started tightening, its thorns dug into my skin and I quickly reached for the wire cutters, which were almost out of reach. And I cut that stuff off. It quickly fell limp and I sealed its amputated part with the plant glue. After the encounter, I studied my wounds and found the holes in my arm weren't that bad, so I didn't try to patch them up. I really quickly realized that those rules were not jokes. I was 30 minutes into my free time when I heard some relatively quiet screeching. I looked around when I noticed it was coming from the giant Venus flytrap. I looked through the rules and when I and went quickly, oh shit, before hiding. A tall figure, which looked like the man with a ghillie suit on, strolled through the area with a limp. I examined its form before it went out of my sight. I grabbed the acid bottle and ran out of the space under the desk. It looked at me and screeched, but then I sprayed it. It started sprinting towards me, and right when it was about to hit me, it evaporated, and I was caked with its dust. At 1.20 a.m., ten minutes after an uneventful patrol, I heard a slight buzzing that sounded distant. At 1.25 a.m., I saw a mentioned bee but thought nothing of it. At 1.30 a.m., I noticed the sheer volume of bees that had collected. I kind of reco- recoiled and donned the, uh, and donned the beekeeper suit and the, and the spray bottle. There's so many commas in this that don't make sense. Sorry. As I walked over to the back room, I could barely hear. The buzzing was too loud, and my vision was almost non-existent with the number of bees. I reached the nest, and it was huge, and it was almost as big as an eight-year-old. I panicked and sprayed it like ten times in two seconds, with a trigger finger which I never knew I had, and I ran. I heard a loud pop behind me and a horde of bees coming toward me, and then it fell silent. The bees were all gone, and so was the nest. At around 2 a.m., before a patrol, the mentioned customer arrived. It was kind of average-looking, but with the dark, hollowed eyes of a sleep-deprived college student. It was wearing formal attire and asked for a red pine, thankfully. I gave it a bright red rose, and and it thanked me before leaving. During the next patrol, I heard a distinct whispering. I stopped and listened, and realized someone or something was trying to talk to me. Hey, come here, I heard from the corner. I walked, over before, I walked over before realizing there was no one there except for a red tulip. Then I recalled rule six. I tried to grab the tulip next to the root, but then it did something that made me stop in my tracks. I could hear my parents. They begged me not to pull out the tulip. I sort of obliged before pushing myself to rip it out. You can bet that I dunked that stupid tulip into the trash. During the next two to three patrols, some object movement happened, but nothing serious. I did notice that the same guy walked by the store like six times peering into it. I pulled out the pistol, which was smaller, which was a small Walter PPK, just in case, but I never used it. My situation was really bad then, and living with my grandma didn't make anything easier. I contemplated continuing that stra- strange job just for the pay. The end. Hmm. This is interesting enough, I guess. Um, <laughs> I will say, 
they did use more commas than periods in this, <laughs> so there's a lot of trying to figure out what it was. What I do like about this um, was all the rules. That's what drew me to it. Yeah. Just the, the way that the rules are presented. It's very... Uh, I like the idea of just like a customer walking. And this is a night shift. You know, the store's probably closed right now, but there's just go with the flow kind of thing. It reminds me of... Um, Oh, shoot. I'm going to not be able to remember. But there's, like, other horror stories that I've read where I've, it's just, I've, like... Yeah, I've read something similar where, to this. Where it's just, like, uh, don't fight it. Just let it happen, and it'll it'll be okay kind of thing. I, I think there was, like, a TV show or a movie or something that I saw that was very similar to this as well. Uh, Moon? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like an interesting enough story, I think. Yeah. I like it. I like the idea of plants being fucking creepy because... My, as, as you know, my mom is huge into plants in our fucking house. Have is, you heard of plant glue before? I have not. I wrote that down. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's a real thing. I'm sure it's to, like it's some anti, uh, like or it doesn't have any like chemicals or something in it that'll help kind of seal up a, hmm. uh, like a, like a wound. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> basically, right? It's probably super glue without harmful chemicals or something. Um. But, uh, it, it, like, I, my mom has, you know, hundreds of plants. The whole house is a fucking forest. Uh, so it's just kind of creepy to think, like, you walk around. I, like, the movement thing in this story is something that I can relate to. Because, I, I, like, whenever I'm staying at my folks' place and you mm-hmm. walk around the house, whenever the, like, AC fan turns on or if the window's open and a breeze comes in, there's so many just, like, hanging plants that'll start, like, shifting slightly. And it's so unsettling to see shadows moving and shit with just, like, the ambient light. And it can be really creepy sometimes. But it's nice. It's, it's a, Ultimately, I like those plants. That reminded me, this is not related at all, but this just reminded me of a story. Okay. Um, of, like, late night, something's moving in your house mm-hmm. kind of thing. When I was living with my brother... Uh, at, we had an apartment together. Mm-hmm. At that apartment, there was one of those, uh, like there was the just the normal lock, there was the deadbolt, and there was also a chain lock. Okay. You know what I mean? So there's yeah. like you literally can't open it from the outside. Right. You need to open it from the inside. Um, and my brother was away for the weekend or something. Um, so at night, I lock, I put the chain on, um, mm-hmm. and I knew he wasn't coming back, so it wasn't going to be an issue. Uh, at like two in the morning or something on one of those nights, I wake up to at like 2 a.m. to like, bam, 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 bam. Oh Someone God. slamming on my door scared the absolute shit out of me. I run out there in my underwear, um, to, like just to the, to the door. And it was my brother. It was just, he was coming home um, and he was with his girlfriend and I felt felt really bad because I'm like, well, I get like upset first of all, and he's upset because he's locked out of his apartment. I'm upset because he scared the shit out of me. So like, wait, what the fuck, man? You scared the shit out of me, and I'm almost naked. And his girlfriend's just like, hi, Patrick. <laughs> I felt bad. I felt really bad. Oh man. Yeah. Dang. That's um, that's pretty scary. I definitely like. Um, that's something that. In that weird moment of sleep, you know, where you're you're falling asleep, but you're not quite asleep yet. Your mind's just drifting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of like really weird crap that I feel like happens then that freaks me out. Like I'll, I'll I feel like I'm hyper aware of everything. Yeah. Um, which is why the other day, this is a while ago, when the cicadas were everywhere, uh, and they were on the fucking, um, uh, like like what is the the 
what do you call the window? Not the window, but like the the screen, the screen <laughs> okay. outside of the window. And whenever they'd like flap their wings, or whatever, it would create like a really weird yeah. kind of rustling sound. And I thought it was mice, but it was like oh, in that weird okay, state yeah. of like sleep that I was in. It echoed in my head so loud that mm-hmm. I thought they were right there. It was crazy. Nice, uh, but I, I have. So I can I can probably tell some horror stories that are like immediately related to my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want some of those now, or should I save? Sure, them? I'll give you one now. I'll save most of them for another podcast. Okay, because um, I do want to get into some of the sillier stuff. Yeah, but one that I think is very creepy um, is so my parents or my grandparents in, in Pakistan they had like the house, right, that they lived in, and then they had built an extension onto it, mm-hmm. uh, which had, like, a really nice air conditioner and everything, but it was new, uh, and it wasn't, like, part of the original house. Um, and so whenever we would go visit, that was, like, the the room in the house where you would never open the door or the windows or anything because power would cycle in the, yeah. sti- uh, in, in the city, and so you would lose power for most of the day. They would, the government would just shut it off. Um, and so... Um, we would always have the AC running when it wasn't when the power was in, so that that room would get like super super cold, and mm-hmm. then the power would shut out, and um, like that room would maintain its its cool temperature yeah. until it would come back. So that was where uh, my grandparents always let us kind of set up shop and sleep because it was comfortable for us because we weren't used to like the the Middle Eastern heat or whatever, right? Um, but my mom hated sleeping in that room because she would always say that she felt like someone was watching her sleep or things would happen to her in her sleep. Uh, and one of these things that happened to her in her sleep is she vividly remembers somebody tickling her feet while she was asleep, waking up, seeing nothing there, tucking her feet like tightly under the blankets. Uh, and then with the fucking blanket on her feet, feeling tickling again, oh, and like freaked weird. out and was just not having it. Another time in, in that same, she just said she felt somebody caressing her face as she was sleeping. Woke up in a jolt. And nobody was there. Um, but yeah, some some creepy. Creepy, yeah. I never experienced anything there, but that's my mom claims to have seen and felt a lot of things, which is fun. Not fun. Yeah, I was gonna say, it was <laughs> but, not fun. But yeah, I fuck it. I'm gonna just tell you another one. That's sure. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty fun. Uh, so my grandma, my dad's mom, um, her sister, when her sister was born, um, it was like a, a birth at home, right? Yeah. So they had like a nurse or whatever come in. Oh, I and, think I remember the story. Yeah, yeah I may have mentioned. Uh, and, and apparently like a week or two after her sister was born, um, you know, it's a newborn baby, has no way of saying anything other than like crying, right? Uh, started speaking in full sentences in a deep voice, telling people to get the fuck out of the room. Um, and they had to get like an exorcism, like a mid- Middle Eastern exorcism, which I don't actually know. I guess it's just like uh, an imam, the equivalent of like a priest, I guess, in mm. Islam, coming and saying some prayers. But I don't know what like a Islamic exorcism really would be, but they did the equivalent of that. Um, and I, apparently she lived a normal life after that. But Damn. There's like like multiple people that talked about how freaky that was. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm haunted, Patrick. <laughs> um, do you have questions, silly things? Well, so before we started the podcast, we were talking about Pokemon Snap. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think it looks like a garbage game, man. So I don't I, understand. I it. don't think I would enjoy playing it now. I think it looks like a cute game, though. I think a kid would enjoy that. 
It's Maybe like, I don't. I don't know. It's even as a kid, I feel like I would get so bored of that. Did like, you? Did you grow up playing Pokemon? I did, kind of. Okay. Like I know we had it on like the DS and stuff, but yeah. I was more. Uh, I guess. I guess. I, I remember it, but I never really played it too much because I followed whatever my brother was doing, mm-hmm. and so my brother, being older, started getting into like different games when I was when I would have been the age yeah. to like really get hooked on Pokemon, and so instead I got hooked on the games that he was playing. Okay. Uh, so that's why like. Um, a lot of my childhood, I remember like the Sly Cooper games really vividly, okay, sure. or like Jack, because those are the ones that my brother was playing. And I would watch him play. Um, but like I, I could still pick up one of the, like the original, like Pokemon, I mean, Pokemon Blue or really you know fun. Fire Red. Those ones I could pick up now and still enjoy. They're, they're really really fun. I do like, you know, I even got like on my Android like an emulator. I forget of which Pokemon. Yeah, I yeah, I did that too. Uh, but just to like be able to walk around and. Explore that world. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only like turn-based combat I've ever enjoyed is Pokemon. There's okay, so I, I've I have a few. Well, at least two. There's Pokemon that's turn-based that I really love. Yeah. There was also a game called Lord of the Rings: The Third Age on okay. GameCube that was turn-based. That was so much fun. There's one Lord of the Rings game I remember playing that was uh, what's the last fight? What Pelnor Fields? Is that the one with where like it's at like the white castle or whatever oh uh yeah yeah that um so that fight uh it was like a video game where it was like that fight and you would switch between the different characters you would play as gandalf you play as aragorn and stuff in that fight i think that's I cool i don't remember if it was actually that fight or uh, probably misremembering it now because i don't remember who was in that fight if they were even there um but i remember you would switch between the characters and you would like get to play as like fighting as gandalf was always really fun using the magic and stuff that's the only Lord of the Game Rings game. Lord of the Games. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's a lie though. There's one other that I played that was The Hobbit on PC. That Ooh, was cool. really fun. That was like my first experience with an open world game, I think. Um but yeah, I I I stand by the fact that Pokémon Snap, I think is just it, it's a waste of $60. Uh, well, so again, I wouldn't buy it because I don't think I would enjoy it as an adult, but I think a kid would really like, like it. Like $60 for a game where you fucking play photo mode? I mean, yeah, it's $60 a and it's a Nintendo game, and so you know they're not going to drop the price. Fair. And I do think, like, I, I'm okay with, like, uh, something on Xbox or PlayStation paying 60 bucks for that, but for a Switch game, those feel a little... It has to be like Breath of the Wild for me to be. Yeah. Even even Mario Kart and like Super Smash Bros. As much as I enjoy those games, I didn't like paying sixty bucks. That's too much for that. Yeah. Yeah. I I only bought those because I'm doing like the competition with my coworkers and Mm -hmm. stuff. Otherwise, I would always just you know mooch it off my my like my brother or my cousins or whatever who have it. Yeah. Because I just as fun as those games are, they're not that replayable. They're couch competitive games to me. Like I'm never gonna play that unless if it's with somebody that's in the same room. Yeah. And that's not worth $60 to me because even when I am with people in the same room, rarely ever is it that we're going to play Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. Whereas Super Breath Smash. of the Wild is a game I could sink. It's a huge world. So There's much so time much into. Stuff to do. But it's also fun. Like when I was living with my brother, he and I would just like take turns playing that game and watching the other person yeah. play it. It's so it's such a good game. Yeah. Which is why they need to bring Wind Waker onto <laughs> Switch. Yeah. Bastards. We talked about that in another episode. I know, there, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, before we get into those questions, yes. I'm looking at this Pucky One Chip Challenge. Oh yeah, yeah, I've got it up there. Did you put it up there? I oh, did. right on. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, we did the, the Pucky One Chip Challenge. 
uh, it's uh, what is it? Carolina Reaper and Scorpion Pepper. Um, so we we both so had. It was a pretty mild experience, I think. Right? How would you describe it? <laughs> One of the worst nights of my life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh man! It hit me really bad. So I had we we had gotten Chipotle, um, and it was Chipotle was already not sitting super well with me. Like it was a really heavy meal mm-hmm. for like what like ten p.m. at night, ten thirty or whatever. Yeah, it was pretty late for a meal that heavy. Um, and it was a pretty loaded Chipotle bowl too. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll go through my experience first because do you want to go yours? Because mine, I'll, mine sure. is <laughs> I'll go through mine. pretty bad. Um, so it was like it was painful. Um, it was so much worse than I thought it was going to be. Um, it tasted awful. First of all, I wasn't, I don't know what I was expecting, but it tasted so bad. You said something that night. You said it tastes just like it smells. And I think that is the most accurate thing I've ever heard. Like it smells like chemicals in a bag and it tastes just as bad. Yes. Yeah. It it was, um, so it's not a pleasant experience. And for the like first like a minute to 15 minutes into it, it was just like my mouth was, uh, it felt like I'd eaten a bunch of sandpaper, you know, it just, mm-hmm. it was so painful. Uh, and then after that, I honestly felt fine for like an hour and a half felt fine. Like it took a while for the taste to get out of my mouth. Uh, but I felt okay. I, uh, probably like 45 minutes later, it was like drinking milk um, I had a beer, you know, yeah. but at, so probably like an hour and a half or maybe even like two hours later, it must've gotten that like it, I, it, it went past my stomach. It was like somewhere in my small intestines, I think, or whatever. I don't know mm-hmm. my fucking anatomy, but it was like in the bottom part of my abdomen just felt like someone was like wringing it out <laughs> to dry. It's so like extra, and I, I don't think I I was trying to play this off that night because I was trying to be like, yeah, I'm tough, but I was in excruciating pain. My stomach hurt so bad. I went to the to the john. I went to the toilet and just sat down. I didn't. Nothing happened, but I was just like I was bent over, like hugging my knees, just trying to get this pain out of me. And I sat there, and I could feel myself sweating. Yeah, like dude. I was, it hurt so bad I could like feel my pores emitting sweat. Um, and I'm uh, hugging my knees for probably like six minutes, and the pain stops. So I come back out here, and we're watching a movie or something. And maybe like thirty minutes later, it happens again, and it was like so much worse that second time. I t- I take like a little mini shit, but like it doesn't help. And, and then so I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to purge. I'm just going to purge. But it's been so long. I, I make myself throw up and it's like the like a little tiny puke and it, like it wasn't spicy. So like all that shit had probably already gone through my body or like was not in my stomach. That didn't help. So I hug my knees and like <laughs> the fetal position trying to take a shit again. And um uh, that ultimately sounds like a better experience than I have. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, I think similarly. Um, oh wait, after well, real quick, yeah. after that second time on the toilet, after that I felt fine, and like that was the after that second maybe like ten minute like really bad abdominal pain. After that, that was the end of it for me. Dude, oh my god, it was <laughs> so much worse for me. So. Um, the the challenge is to like eat the chip and then not drink or eat anything for as long as you can, right? Um, and you know, same thing. I don't want to be a bitch, so I'm not gonna take the milk. I'm not gonna do anything. 
So we eat the chip, tastes horrible, and like my mouth is burning a lot, and my throat, the back of my throat, like taking breaths hurt. <laughs> oh yes, that was, I forgot. That was yeah. horrible. Yes. Um, but after I don't know, maybe like twenty minutes after having eaten the chip, it was just like the <sighs> kind of <laughs> kind of breathing. But ultimately, like it was it was okay, whatever. Uh, and then uh, I don't know, maybe like an hour into it, my chest started hurting. And I was like feeling heartburn, and and I think it was uh, I'm pretty sure it was just like acid reflux. I had a, had a huge Chipotle meal, and then the chip on top of it, and I had gotten like the spice, the spicy salsa in Chipotle had been like extra spicy that day. Like it it normally isn't that spicy. It was already kind of hot, uh, and so like the, my body just was not reacting well to spices at like 11:30 p.m. Right, mm-hmm. and so. I'm feeling like a really tight, like it's getting harder to breathe. And I'm like, dude, this hurts. So I go and I'm like, I'm going to try to take a shit. So I take like a mini shit and I'm just sitting there and nothing happens. Nothing happens. I'm just like, what the hell do I do? You know, this is like hurts. And I'm just, I was in there probably for like 30, 40 minutes, man, sweating. And just like, this is, this sucks. This is horrible. Why did I do this? I'm trying to like look at my phone, but my eyes are blurry. And I'm just like, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then eventually I just, I feel it coming up. And so then I <laughs> put my ass on the toilet, lean over to the bathtub and just, oh, jeez. In the bathtub. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? So then I cleaned that off. Uh, fortunately, we had bought bleach by now, so mm-hmm. I hit yeah, it. Yeah. That was a great idea. So I hit hit with some bleach, clean it all up. <laughs> but I felt great after that. I was like, yo, and half of my Chipotle had come up. Was right? it spicy? Was it, it a was spicy? It so <laughs> spicy, dude. It hurt. <laughs> and like, but, oh my god, it felt like my throat had like just it was yeah, it was bad. But I felt better. Like, felt like I could breathe. And I walked out and I was like, yo, I feel fucking great right now. But I'm gonna take a shower because I I also feel kind of gross. Yeah. Um. And so I take a shower or whatever, and then I think at that time we were wrapping up for the night, right? I think Tom had somewhat, left yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I took like a pretty long shower too. <laughs> and so I was like, "All right, cool, great, whatever." <laughs> you know, I'm gonna dick around, whatever. I think you had gone to bed at this point, and I was playing on my excuse me, playing on my phone or something. And I was laying in bed. And I was like, "You know, I'm gonna try to read something," and I turned to my side. I, like, I was rolling over to, like, lay on my stomach to grab a book and just read in bed. Uh, but as I turned to my side, I felt the burning in my chest again. I was like, oh, no, not again. So I lay back on my back, and I just laid there. And I was like, please, no, please, no. <laughs> and then I start sweating. And oh, I was like, geez. all right. So I, I stand up, and I'm, like, trying to walk back and forth. I walk to the kitchen, grab some water. I'm trying to drink stuff. I'm like, please help me out. Help me out. Nothing. I'm sweating. The, like, chest pain is coming back. I'm like, this sucks. So I go, and I try to take another shit. And I puked again. I didn't shit at all, but I puked a second time, and it was way worse. The second puke, <laughs> oh, shit. the rest of the Chipotle came out. I, yeah. I guess I didn't digest any Chipotle at that point. And this is at maybe 2 in the morning or something. Yeah. So I was like, what the fuck? That was horrible. I puked the rest of the Chipotle. I cleaned it all up. I was like, all right, I'm going to just take a shower. So I, I, I take another shower, and I'm sitting there, and my, like, everything just hurts, and I'm <laughs> miserable. So eventually, I'm like, yo, this isn't helping. So I, 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 I like... Uh, I took a bath. I like filled up our bathtub and yeah. I just laid in the bath in the water for <laughs> <Just> suffered, <laughs> suffered in pain, man. And I, I don't think I left the bathroom until, so I was in there probably at like two thirty or something in the morning doing all this. Right. Yeah. I didn't leave till like four thirty in the morning. I was just <laughs> laying there in pain. Finally, I like felt good enough to kind of roll out of bed or roll out of the tub and into bed again. Fuck. And so I like cleaned up, dried off. And then like, 
very very stressed me finally went to sleep at like 5 5 30 in the Shit. morning it was horrible and Such then we went to the zoo right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think Wasn't that, that, that was, day? yeah I think, yeah yeah i was exhausted but that uh whoa and yeah i would never do that again i remember i told my coworkers about it too and there's like a video that i have of me that's just like uh, you know, I'm crying and I'm sweating. And it's I'm like gonna minutes running. after we minutes did after, it. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, and I'm miserable. And I, I shared that with some of my coworkers, and they're like, "Oh man, that's, that looks bad." And I said, "No, like that was literally like ten minutes after the fucking chip. You should have seen what happened for the like six hours <laughs> subsequent. Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm like, I'm glad I had the experience. I'm glad I could say I've done this chip never challenge. Never again, though. But oh my never god, again. it was so much worse. I went in there. I went in with confidence. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. But oh my god, that that was oh my tough. God. That was rough. Oh my god, I'm keeping the box though. Like, yeah, I'm, I have it displayed on my bookshelf right now. Just, oh, I, oh, I might do I, that yeah, too. I, this is your box right okay, here. Okay, cool. So, but I like I want to hold on to it. I was like, I fucking did this thing. Yeah. Um, I wish it came with like a little coin or something. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. Be, I feel like that'd be too much money. That's a problem. Yeah. Also, the the wrapper that the chip came in looked like it was fucking radioactive. Yeah, yellow, well, like, I mean, they probably do that on purpose. Well, yeah, you know? but like it was like, but even it's like, like a, it's like a condom wrapper for chip. But but it was like like twice as thick. Yeah, like it was a really thick wrapper. Even when you like like yeah, it was, it was strange. Um. Okay. Uh, some joke, silly questions. Do you have any? Sure. Uh, well, I don't know if they're they're just like questions, questions. I found on I think Ask Reddit. Okay. Um. All right. Uh, who was we might have talked about this before, uh, okay. but whatever. Who was your teenage crush from the N- entertainment world? Natalie Portman. Like first crush was Natalie Portman. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I feel like we've definitely Padme. talked about this. Yeah, I'm yep. definitely not. Uh, or like it's on multiple occasions we've talked about this, mm-hmm. uh, and I I don't know how years later she looks just as good as she did when she was Padme and I first was introduced to her. Yeah, but uh, she is she's the first, like, girl woman that I remember being infatuated yeah. by. You know? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, Natalie Portman is, like, just by far, I think, one of the most beautiful women ever to exist. Okay, okay, that's, that's funny, because next question, who is the most attractive woman on Earth? Natalie Portman. <laughs> um, so, actually, I'd say she's up there for me. Yeah, Amelia Clark is super cute. I like her a lot. She's um, also very attractive, yeah. And then also Natalie Dormer. A lot of the Game of Thrones <laughs> characters. <laughs> Rob Stark's wife. I don't oh, the, remember. Ro- and <laughs> Rob Stark. <laughs> Definitely. Jon Snow is up there, too. Uh, um, Hodor. <laughs> <laughs> um, that uh, The British model, Cara Delevingne. Oh, yeah. She's up there for me. I really like her. Um, um, there was... When I thought of this question, oh, uh, Emma Watson. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm trying to think if there's anyone. Um, I, I uh, do you know who who Priyanka Chopra is? No. Do you know Wait, she, she married one of the Jonas Brothers? But she's like a she was a Bollywood star, made it in mainstream Hollywood and stuff. Say her name again. Priyanka Chopra. Uh, just you can look up Nick Jonas' wife too if you don't know how to spell it, but. I was close, but I got her. I think she's gorgeous. Um, yeah, she's uh, she's very attractive. She's a looker. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't. There's, there's a lot of beautiful people out there, but I think like somebody that I always, always will just truly like be infatuated with is is gonna be Natalie Portman. Ditto. She's so gorgeous. Um, what is a out of context phrase you've either said or heard in public? I have one. Okay, yeah, you go because I need um, to think. So, I was talking is like at a little, um just like friend gathering thing with my brother and my sister and mm-hmm. mutual friends of ours. Um, and <laughs> we were talking, I, I think we were talking what? Say your story. Oh, you got one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, we were talking about car accidents and I, I totaled um, a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> You're like collapsing, laughing over there. Sorry. I <laughs> Nothing you just said was <laughs> comprehensible. <laughs> Nothing. I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, okay, finish yours. Finish yours. I'm so listening. we were talking about. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead with this? Okay. I'll, I'll circle the back. That the lady at the zoo said. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? No. What? <laughs> she like is I remember there was the old lady that said, at least Six Flags had Jack Daniels. <laughs> what were you? No, we walked into the zoo and the like, mom to her kid goes, Ugh. Oh, I do remember that. <laughs> oh, man. And then he said everything I said was incomprehensible. And I thought I like that lady. Oh, that was funny. me retelling that that phrase, <laughs> the, the, but okay, that's it. You oh, told there was me. also a time at work. <laughs> uh, as I was leaving work, I overheard a part of a conversation that two of my female coworkers were having. Okay, and they were talking about what happens to men's balls when they bike. <laughs> like, just Whoa, you know, like yeah. where it sits on the bike seat or whatever, and they're like. Does it go behind? (laughs) No, it doesn't go behind. Anyway, um, so we were at the friends gathering thing. We were talking about um, uh, car accidents, and I was telling a story where I totaled my Toyota Corolla, um, and in that car I had a, or I sometimes kept a Pikachu in the back window. um, That uh, this car used to belong to my brother, and he it was like a like a fun thing he did that he always had Pikachu in the car. Mm -hmm. I said it was his good luck charm. And ironically, I didn't have the Pikachu in the car when I crashed it. So we were telling that story and joking about that. Uh, Also, it was a 2004 Toyota Corolla that he had named Greta because it was like an old lady car. So he gave it an old lady name. Okay. Um, And we were also joking like, oh, I killed Greta. And then the the phrase, but don't worry, Pikachu wasn't in the car when Greta died. As just like that as an out-of-context phrase. I love that. Yeah. Uh, why is the Boston Police Department, why are you so unpopular with the Boston <laughs> Police Department? What is that? I got two words for you. <laughs> Shut, Shut the, the fuck, fuck up. up. <laughs> yeah. What's that movie called? Uh, the, Midnight, Midnight Run. Run. Oh yeah. my God, that's, that's a fun a good movie. movie. Yeah. That is a really good movie. A lot of quotable phrases in there. Yeah. Um, we have something on the board. Uh, it, it used to be "is water wet," but has been now changed to "is Tahoe wet." I'm not currently wet, but I have been wet twice today when I took a shower. Oh, I think I say so, twice in my life. 
It's like that that can't be. <laughs> yeah. Been uh, wet no. a lot. But is water wet? Um I think you said no, but yeah. I think yes, right? Why? Um so if this book that's in front of us, this is covered in in water, it's wet. Right. If I touch it, my finger's wet. Yes. If I touch water, my finger's wet. Yes. Therefore, water's wet. But but what if water touches water? Like what if you have a glass of water and you pour another glass into it? What did the water make the water wet? No, they're both independently wet. So I think water is inherently wet, but I don't think water is wet. What? Like I, water is water, but yes. water can't be you can't say that water's wet. What you go to the ocean and say, Look, that ocean's wet. No, I, you I don't think say so, that. Yeah. Wet is the act of something getting wet. Like, <laughs> yeah, getting wet, getting you know, touched by water. I don't think it's the water itself. Uh, I think it's wet. No, I, I think it's it's never not wet. Unless it isn't wet, which would mean it has evaporated. No, you're or, wrong. Water is not wet. When something is touched by water, then it becomes wet. Hmm. That's my statement. I I'm I'm got I gotta stick with it is wet. All right. Well, follow well, us on social media, and we'll ask it there. Right? <laughs> see what the people say. We'll get a poll going. See yeah. what see what our um, sponsors think. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, I did have. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! That scared me. <laughs> oh my God! That scared the shit out of me. Um. <laughs> uh. Um, haircut ASMR. <laughs> yeah, why is that up there? I remember we you, talked about you it. You told me you listen to haircuts. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> That's uh, so so weird. I, almost on a nightly basis, I will listen to ASMR or just something uh, to help me go to sleep. And one of my favorites <laughs> is haircut ASMR. What about it is so relaxing? Just like the little snip, 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 snip so noises. So are you listening specifically to scissors cutting hair? No. Well, it's also like they'll do like the, you know, the barbershop. They'll like throw the blanket over you. Yeah. It's like sort of like that crinkly blanket. They'll do like the crinkly blanket, like, you know, that, like that kind of thing. <laughs> okay. I know it's weird and lame, but it, no, I mean, it, ASMR it makes me happy. ASMR. Um, so when I during Ramadan when I'm fasting, I always find myself watching food. <laughs> is, that, is that ASMR beard ASMR? Yeah. <laughs> uh, during Ramadan when I'm fasting, I always find myself watching Food Network a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's like torture, right? Like I'm fasting, what I can't eat or drink anything, but I'm watching Food Network, and I found that that led to a rabbit hole of me watching food ASMR during Ramadan, or just watching people eat. And it was like weird, mm. but I didn't like. I just liked the sound of somebody biting into like a French fry, and I was like, "Whoa, that makes me so hungry right now." Um, but that that only ever happens during Ramadan when I go down that rabbit hole. Gotcha. But yeah, more questions? Sure. Um, this isn't really a question. This is kind of funny. I found yeah. it, it is on Ask Reddit, um, but there's a thread that I clicked on just because I was curious um, what women think. Uh, but it says what. What instantly makes a guy hot? And the top comment on it was, I asked my wife, and she said it was my smile and eyes. 
So I'm going to assume it's my magnum dong. <laughs> and then under that, someone put Dr. Mantis Toboggan? Question mark. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we were talking at work about, this is unrelated, but we were talking at work about Danny DeVito's best characters, and mm. my buddy Stuart and I were like, no, nah, it's got to be Mantis Toboggan. <laughs> MD. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I mean, uh, to spin the reverse of it, what, what do you find attractive in a, in a woman? Like, what is an attractive? Like, I mean, obviously, I think to... Uh, just to kind of throw it out there is like there's always going to be like a, a, a foundational level of physical attraction you mm-hmm. know like i think that's always a thing of like there are some physiques that i am attracted to some that i'm not um and that's just the way that my brain is wired it doesn't mean that people aren't beautiful i think beauty is separate from that um but like who am i attracted to doesn't like if i'm not attracted to you doesn't mean that i'm that you're not a beautiful person or how whatever. dare you say what you just said yeah right oh my <laughs> god um that being said i think it is dangerous to kind of encourage obesity i think that that like this is a, a touchy subject and i don't want to go too far into this because like i get body appreciation and everything but there's a point where it is a health risk mm-hmm. and it's like that like we should not encourage that that is uh, acceptable like we don't want that to be the norm yeah um, so like I, I support, you know, body positivity and accepting your body and, and the way you look and, and who you are hundred percent. I've struggled with body image a lot. Um, but I, I don't think that obesity is something that should be accepted as good. Um, but that doesn't mean that people that are obese can't be beautiful. Like they're, you know, th- it's a separate, I think thing entirely. That being said, I think there's some like body types that I'm just objectively attracted to, but outside of that, what do you find attractive in a woman? Uh, being able to connect, I guess. Dude, you that's know? such a vague answer. What? Being able to connect? Yeah. Like, what does that mean? I don't know. They always say you're <laughs> supposed to marry your best friend, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> when we get married. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking. God damn it. <laughs> uh, no, I. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, man. Like, to me, oh, I, I mentioned this the other day. Like, there's somebody I know that has, the, when, when she had a cute voice. Yes. You know, like, that's what I'm looking for. Mm. It's like that, like, being able to connect, like, obviously, yeah. Like, on some, but, like, there's so many different levels on which you can connect, you know. But, like, something that I noted, like, there'll be some people that I talk to where, like, the way that they giggle is really cute to me. And, and it's like, I don't. I don't ever, there's been people where I don't want to like make them full out laugh, but just getting them to giggle makes me so happy because they have such a cute giggle. And yeah. That would make me happy. Or like a cute voice where just hearing them talk would make me smile. A cute smile. Cute smile, yeah. Um, eyes is a huge thing for me. Like I, I really, like, I need to be able to look into someone's eyes and be like, wow, you've got beautiful eyes. You know? Thank you. Well, I wasn't saying that to you. But. Oh. <laughs> um. There's a chop <laughs> Um So, did you hear yeah, that? Yeah, I did hear that. <laughs> what is going on? I might have, like, fucked with the <laughs> reverb or whatever with that, uh, that <laughs> yeah, Chopper Dan know. bit. Um, well, oh, well, I hear it back now. So, mm. um, But, yeah, I think I'll say, for me, some of the few things is like that I noticed that I find attractive outside of, like, just physical attraction of, like, body type or whatever is... Um, the laugh that somebody has, 
uh, the voice and the eyes. I don't know how this is going to sound, but I, I really like, um, like, physical touch, you know? Okay. Like, snuggling, holding hands, that kind of stuff. I enjoy that. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to sound. No, I get it. it. It's just, yeah. No, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Having someone to hold. But going back to my original thing of, like, connectability, I, I really... Look, you know, enjoy doing what I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. I like I um, with someone else that also enjoys doing that kind of stuff, like like nature kind of things, um, exercise. You know, just like the what I just do on my own naturally. I um I think that uh, it's it's an interesting. I I think that there's on some level it is good to be on the same page about some things, but. I, I want to end up with somebody that has very different interests and passions than I do because I want to be able to grow with somebody. And I think that would keep it more interesting. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I think it would uh, not to say that it, one way is better than the other. Just to me, I think it would be uh, a more interesting experience to be with somebody that is different um, just with their interests. And I am not like sure there'll be some overlap here and there, but like for the most part, I want them to be in their own thing and like passionate about their own thing and to teach me and, and I to do the same for them. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, like you come back to that point of like connecting with somebody. Uh, and I think that more than just even like in, in context of a relationship, but just in context of like a friendship with somebody, uh, like I, the, the people that I consider my closest friends and to the point where I would consider them family f- kind of friends, you know, mm. uh, are the same people that I am more than happy just sitting in silence with for hours on end and being like, that was time well spent. Yeah. And there's like, I can name on, on like a, a, on my hands, how many people there are that I'm that close with. Ditto. Um, but yeah. What was the thing that we said we were going to ask in the poll? Oh shit. I don't know. Pop tarts. No. Was it about pop tarts? It wasn't about pop tarts. <laughs> Is water wet? Is uh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's gonna be two answers on that poll, just a single <laughs> no and a single yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, Matt, Matt, you'll be the tiebreaker, Matt, and um, Robert Downey Jr. Elon Musk is on there. Who else? Danny DeVito now. There's someone else. Joe Jason Rogan. Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. That's right. Still coming uh, for you. <laughs> well, uh, Chopper Dan. Chopper Dan. <laughs> Chopper Dan is now a member. <laughs> Uh, no. featured guest of this episode. Um, yeah. I think that's a good place to... I comment. think so, too. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you here in two weeks. Yeah. Um, we'll probably go back to a weekly thing at, 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 some, at some point. point yeah, yeah. Once we can get caught up. Mm-hmm. But for now, see you in, in a couple weeks. Peace. Peace. Peace.